Yeah. Hey, I got um, got some viewer mail. What? I you didn't it, tell me. Have you oh, been holding out on me? I have. So it's very exciting because it's uh, from um, little shout out friend of the show J H. Really, and he's enjoying the show a lot. And he just wrote to say, "Hey, it's Wait, great. This is a real person. It's a totally. It's a real person." Mm-hmm. And uh, this is and a family member of yours, not at all. And he's sending his kudos. And wow, yeah. At some point, my sense from the uh, the exchange of emails that we had was that at some point uh, he's hoping to hear discussion about uh, some of these uh, cases and 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 statute proposals and other things uh, dealing with. Uh, the clash between uh, religious freedom restoration act type oh, statutes yeah, 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 yeah. and that's um, anti discrimination principles. Absolutely, yeah, things. yeah. We should let the listeners know that's coming. Yeah, we we've got big ideas for that because that's it. I mean, it's in it's in the news in so many different ways these days. Right, right. So it's we definitely got, a big. It's in fact, in fact, it's multiple issues. We have I mean, lots of a, people that we could talk to about that too. In addition to you and me, that's not that's not just one show. No, that's a mini series because it's a ton. That's of oral stuff. argument. The mini series. <laughs> yeah. Colon the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Colon the restoration of cases involving the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. I don't know. I don't know how this goes. Yeah. You think I'm too loopy right now? I think I know you are. <laughs> um. So he anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Fan okay. of the show loves the show. Yeah, and he wants to hear all this, and he wants to hear us talk uh, about we, that issue. Quite seriously, we do have a lot of people that we have uh, that could talk about that who'd be great to have on. We've talked about that, and we're waiting. I think we're going to wait for Hobby Lobby. Yes. Uh, this is the big case involving Hobby Lobby's, uh, the corporation's asserted religious right not to be involved in providing uh, contraceptives uh, uh, through insurance to its workers and. Um, whether right. it has that right. So we're going to get into that. I think we're going to wait for the oral argument in that case, which is coming up, I think, at the end of this month. Um, Just one friendly amendment. Not Yes. Uh, I think the issue is whether or not it should be required to uh, offer a health insurance plan, one component of which is uh, coverage for... Uh, yeah. yeah. It's all in the framing. Yeah, I got it. I, that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the company itself is not being required to you know, over the lunch hour on everyone's lunch break, hand out condoms. Not yet. But I tell you, if the Democrats get elected again, <laughs> every company is going to have to go into the contraception manufacturing business of some kind, you know, and distribute it to in kindergartens throughout well, the land. Okay. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah, well, CPAC, know, CPAC until is this you weekend, said you know. kindergarten. <laughs> I actually was thinking it didn't sound so bad, but <laughs> <laughs> then you said the word kindergarten. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, so that that's the feedback we got this week, huh? Yeah, I think we should no, just... No criticisms? No, which we're that trying, I've heard. We, Maybe we certainly, you've heard some criticism. We're certainly trying to create some already in this show, aren't we? And I think the subtitle of our miniseries should be, in, to, to sort of jazz it up a little bit, instead of, you know, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, you know, call it something like Fun with Sexy Time. <laughs> that's a different That's a different show. It, well, yes. Darcy appears to be helping us with something. Yeah. What is she helping us with? Yeah, there's another dog out there. Is this the wandering dog? That no, I'm- no, no. This is this is a dog on a leash. Okay. This is a dog on a leash, and she's... I don't know what she's trying to say. I think she's trying to say to the other dog, do not come in here. I think that's her hope. You got any bees in your bonnet, Joe? Bees in my bonnet? Yeah, anything is upsetting you that we should... Not yet. You'll say something soon, though, I'm sure. <laughs> 
Um, do you hear anything different? Hear anything different about what? Yeah, I mean, does anything sound different to you? Anything different about the show? About the show? No. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What are you What are you talking about? I just I'm just curious whether you hear anything different. What could I hear? See, the reason maybe you're not hearing it because my face is hidden behind the pop filter here. Okay. I shaved my beard. Uh, that is something that I saw. Hmm. Not live. You weren't there. I, that's true. But I've seen the fact that that happened. I don't know that I would say that I'd heard the fact that that happened. I don't. I don't know that it would produce a, an audible. Distinction. I just thought that we should tell the listeners. I didn't want anybody to be confused or like you know where did where did Christian go? I hear Joe, sound- who's the new guy. You know, it's like you know. Oh, because they might think the sound quality is different. Yeah, or they you know or they just I sound different without without the beard. I'm sure. Okay. Okay. Little, little is there a medication note. level we need to check with you, or was there a? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know. You know, it's spring break. It is. It's is spring break. So this is our spring break show. This is this is the road trip episode. This is the episode that people are going to load up. Now, Ooh. let me just say this. Let me You're just, not saying we're taking a road trip. You're saying other people might take a road why trip. Why the hell not? Why not? Let's go right now. Okay. We'll, we'll grab the laptop and let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so people are going to be loading this up as they head across the vast American continent. Um. Uh, and and experience America in their week long spring break, and I suggest you know before you go, mm. download this is this is do you know what episode number this is, Joe? Fifty four. No, no. It turns out it is three. Ep- this is episode eleven. Whoa! Which means that it is our twelfth episode. I was just gonna say, is it uh, you? Are yeah. You- you, it's kind of you, like you're counting from zero. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a because we have our episodes start at zero. Right. It's kind of like the year zero thing. You remember the whole year two thousand thing where people were saying it's not really the two thousandth year because the year zero was a you know. You yeah, remember this? I do remember. You remember that. those kind of people, Bigly, right? Yeah, yeah. Y two K man. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so this is our twelfth episode, which means Woo-hoo! that there are twelve episodes to accompany our listeners on their various road trips. They could go on like on a twelve hour drive. Yeah. Do you have any that you recommend? I mean, I think they've all been great. Um, I, I've seen a few of the, the, the download statistics for, for some of these things. Mm. I, I think not enough people are going back and grabbing the episode with Sonya West, which really was the episode. This is episode one about uh, free speech and we, the press. We busted out all over that episode. Oh, I thought it was a really good episode. I agree. Um, because we've had a number of good guests, I think we have managed to maintain those heights. Mm. Um, and then when we haven't had guests, we've discussed some of our favorite topics like speed traps, uh, which is apropos, I guess, of road trips. Um, Fair enough. Oh, by the way, I have some interesting things to report or suggest about speed traps. Okay. Well, let me just say this. Let me just say this before we get on to the substance of it. I want, I want everybody to go back and download all 12 episodes. These are, this is like a greatest hits album where you don't have to leave anything off. They're all good. You don't. You're still, and you're still early. You're, you're getting it on the ground floor. Yeah. There's not, you don't reach, we're not yet at the point, as we will be a few years from now, when someone looks at that mountain of episodes and thinks, I, I can't, can't go back to all of them. Which, that. which ones do I listen to? Right. They'll be saying, yeah. You, you, dear listener, are so much better off than that poor sap. Yeah. Because you can actually listen to them all. All 12. All 12. Collect all 12. All. Collect them all. Yeah. No reason not to. They, our, our podcast is kind of like the, uh, the Star Wars cups that Hardy. Past, Hardy's passed out. You remember that? Did you no. get those those glasses? You remember the Star Wars glasses? No. Mm. I'm sorry. I feel bad for you all of a I sudden. I remember like 
jelly jars with some cartoon characters on them, but I don't remember anything about Star Wars mm. on Hardy's glasses. Yeah, right. I'm sorry about that. Um, me, it's me okay too. though. Um, so you can, so go go to our website. Uh, you know wherever you found this from. ITunes. Get, get you know the best way to listen to this show though. I've said this before. So if if what you've done is you've gone to our website and you click play on the little player, um, our website is hydrotext.com slash oral dash argument. Just Google oral argument Joe Miller, you'll find it. Uh, um, but if you've done that, a better way to do it is just download a podcast app. Yeah, Instacast, Downcast, um, Castro is another one. There are a bunch That's of the good, one I use. bunch of good apps, bunch yep. of good apps out there, and just search for oral argument. Yeah. And ours will and come subscribe. up there. and subscribe, and you have a chance to download them all. It's yeah. a really, really good way to do it. Um, the other thing that uh, the 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 listeners should do, and and we got a, I think we got at least one more rating last week out of this. Go go rate the show on iTunes. You don't have to write a review. You just go and you click the stars. You enjoy the show. Go click the stars. Uh, if you're going to leave five, now if you're inclined to leave fewer than five stars, g- give me a call. We'll talk this over um, before that point. I think that's an extreme move. What is to rate us with fewer? No, to rate us with fewer than five stars. Yeah. I think that's something we can work out amongst ourselves. Sure, uh, but go ahead and do that and leave a review. If you, if, you know, tell tell people that you like the show. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, don't tell people that. The thing about leaving a rating that's not five stars is you really you don't want to live with regrets. I think because your your whole right your whole life ahead of you that's a long time. Yeah, that's true. So you don't want to live with that. Yeah. So rather than do that. Get it think, right. Get it right from the beginning. You I can get you. it right, or you can think about it and get it right later. All right. I think you know this. Is, we're we're about ten minutes in, and we've actually done nothing so far. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'm gonna. This is gonna be three minutes in the in the edited version. Do we want to uh, uh, let people know if if they have anything to convey? Just uh, just email us at uh, oral argument podcast at gmail dot com at gmail dot com oral argument podcast at gmail dot com. We've been getting a steady stream of uh, feedback uh you can also follow us on twitter i think stream is a generous word but yeah oral argument on twitter um cool so uh uh shall i tell you my like our tracks? facebook page okay yeah let's get let's get to the show let's get to the show let's get over the i've got some bees in my bonnet today Joe. oh boy big bees in my bonnet um, Should we warm up before big bees with some speed trap? Maybe it's not big, but there are lots of bees in my bonnet. Okay, so, can you we know. War- yeah. Should we warm up before yeah. we get to the multitude of bees in your bonnet? Sure, okay. sure. So um, <clears throat> one thing I did, and this one thing led me to have a further thought or two. So uh, one thing I did, I was in a, a parking structure on campus, and the thought flashed in my brain that I should see if there was a visible difference that I could perceive as the driver of my car, if I took my daytime running lights, because, you know, my car, like many cars now, the headlights are sort of always on. Yeah. Um, where if I, if I intensified the light using the high beam or something like that, mm-hmm. if I could see a difference. Right, because we established last time you might, you didn't understand that you could see lights during the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were skeptical we, that lights could be seen in daylight. We, yeah, we, what we established was that I wasn't quite clear on how all this would actually work if you're trying to alert someone of a speed trap in the daytime. Right. So uh so without really so I had the thought and no sooner had I had the thought that my left hand pulled the um 
the particular stick element around my steering wheel, I just pulled it toward me and it made the lights shine more brightly. Now, I didn't really even know that I knew that this was the gesture to make and I did it without thinking. Right, like right. Like I just unconsciously did it. Like it's a, my, it's I a movement. To, it's a movement you've never made before. I don't. I'll say what I've said many times, which is, <laughs> which you refuse to understand, which is that I don't recall having done this, but that you might have done it. You, we, th- this shows you might have done it subconsciously. Indeed, because and and if I could just get the facts on the table. So no. what I did was, can I, can I interrupt you again? <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a great show today. Apparently, did yes. I tell you I got some bees in my bonnet about some stuff? You have, and they're and they're dri- and they're clearly pushing you to the edge. Oh yeah, it's it's driving me nuts. It's um, driving me nuts. So, so you were saying something about lights and, and grabbing so I, and grabbing so uh, things. Thought, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the I'm gonna flash a brighter light, and and I didn't have to think about how to do it. I just reached out and pulled this thing and let it go, and it and it made the lights flash. So, and could you see them? Totally. Yeah, so it turns out during the day you can still see lights. Easily, yeah. easy to see the difference. Um, I could tell even as the driver because I could see what the lights were mm-hmm. reflecting against in the parking structure. I got something else that's going to blow your mind. Okay, but you're not going to tell me that I'm yet because I'm, I'm, I'm so gonna cover far my, from finished yet. I'm going to cover my eyes. Oh, Guess what, Joe? What? I'm still here. Look at that. See? I uncovered. See, it's still me. See? I don't understand, I don't understand I, how that I'm just, I thought you might be fascinated by object permanence. So, see, I covered my face with my hand, right? See it? See, you yes. can't see my eyes, right? Right. And you might think, as, as many children do, maybe I'm gone. Maybe, maybe I'm not calling, there anymore. Are you, are you suggesting that because I didn't know that headlights were I'm, no, I'm not, no, perceptibly I'm, yeah. brighter than I'm a child? No, not at all. I'm just saying, if you didn't know that, maybe there are other fun things that you don't know about that, you can, <laughs> that the podcast will help. Help us figure out, like object permanence and, you know. The sad part of all this is that I'm actually trying to tell you something interesting about speed trap law, a topic that that I didn't care about at all until you forced it on me. Uh, And I'm trying to relate this story and you're being such a class A jerk. It's spring break, Joe. I know. And you're celebrating in a very strange way, I've got to say. I got Daytona on my mind. One thing on my mind. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, yeah, go ahead. So I grabbed the thing. I clicked it. I let it go. The thing was brighter. That's great. But that was to me that was less interesting that the thing was brighter. What was interesting to me was is that when I let go of the thing and it just sprang right back to where it was. So here's here was my insight and then a memory and how I would wrap it up. So the people who make the car, yeah included this feature that seems like it exists really for no other reason mm-hmm. than to let someone momentarily flash their headlights to be much brighter. Right, right. And that suggests that they think this is a way people communicate. So I think it goes, the, the, the existence of this feature in the car right. goes to the validity of the assertion that this is expressive conduct. Ah, uh-huh. Because uh-huh. the people who design cars put the thing, put the feature there. Right. Because they know people who drive cars want to use it. Right. Or it seems to me there would be a bit less reason for it to be right. there. Now, the thing that I think is even stronger proof of this, if I have, if my memory is serving me rather than failing me, I remember when I was a little kid. Oh, boy. We had a car that had... um. 
Did it have wood paneling on the side? It, oh, yeah, we had one of those for sure. Yeah, yeah, the the um, the, the back seat popped up. One of oh, those? yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was one of six kids. I am one of six kids. So that we definitely had one right. of those big station wagons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember there was a time when <laughs> the the high beam for the headlight, it the way you act, you, the way you activated this clicking feature was there was a button on the floor of the. Uh, of the oh, driver's I, area, yeah. and you would step on the button. I've been in a car like that. You before. remember this? I've been in a car like that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it, ha- yeah. it was like a re- there was a circle of metal, and then in the middle of the circle was a different color metal button. Wow. And you yeah. Would step on the button, and that would flash the lights. I want to say it was like an, I was driving a truck, or like a suburban, or maybe it was a moving truck. I, I it seems like it was a truckish kind of thing. That no, I don't I remember. Did, did this? Was that the way? To turn on the high beams, or was that just to flash the high beams? If we're going back this far, I think it was shortly after you had to like get outside of the car and pull a crank handle to actually turn the car on. <laughs> no, but, no, this is in the seventies. I actually don't remember. Yeah, you may have. I, I don't remember if it was a foot to to turn the thing on at all, or just a foot to switch modes. Because uh, if it was a know. foot to switch modes, that's. I mean, the reason why I think this is particularly would be particularly powerful evidence that car makers knew their drivers wanted to be able to do things like flash their lights at each other. Sure. Is because if this button, if the only if the only thing it does is change the mode and then when you release your foot, quickly go back to the prior mode. So either right. off or regular beams. Mm-hmm. This stick that I pulled has a bunch of other stuff on it. Right. So it could be there for lots of reasons. It is there for lots of reasons, having nothing to do with what I wanted to Car do. user interface is crazy. This button, though, yeah. is like, yeah. it, if that's the only reason it was there, yeah. the car makers are saying, look, we know this is something you want to do. It's like a foot horn. Yes. Yeah. And, wh- and, and, if it, and if that's the only thing it does, then, wow, this is, obviously, this is expressive, and obviously, there's... People know other people want to alert people to speed traps. Yeah. Well, maybe not just speed traps. I mean, to be maybe fair, not but just that, but but <laughs> certainly including that. Certain. Well, I think that's yeah. I think that's its highest and best use. So this is interesting that the norms of it, like the car makers are recognizing a cultural norm because they're including a feature right. that lets you enact. So what the norm. we need, what we need, are some listeners who have. Um, car design experience? Yeah, car design experience or family in the car design industry. Find out for us. It, 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 are they why conscious of the fact? Yeah, why is it there? Is it is it just to... You, you might imagine that there are multimedia warning systems in cars, right? So there are uh, lights there because maybe you're trying to signal uh, a driver who might be deaf, right? Could there be. are a horn there to signal another driver who is blind and can't see the lights. Right. But what you know for sure is... It seems like you just glossed over that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, but I don't. I don't think there'd be a blind driver. Oh, blind driver, got it. Yeah. Um, but hmm. uh, he, so that so didn't come the, off. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. What you wouldn't do, though, is you wouldn't put in a horn that you were sure no one would ever use, or a light you were sure no one would ever use. Right. Um, not least because you you can't put it in for free. It like costs money. <laughs> to put it in, and why spend extra money if you're a car maker? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for I, features that you think no, you know, to a certainty, no one will ever use this feature. Feels well, like they don't a, put it in. Yeah, it feels like there's a whole show we could do about car user interfaces, though. The, I'm sure I know there like is. like those crazy sticks with all the stuff on it. Like, and, yeah, and, yeah and I don't know. Somewhere, someone is making a calculation that, um, at some point in time, someone somewhere made a calculation that, um. This feature either was a feature people would like to use or would feel they had to use or something. Yeah. And maybe that time has gone past and no one actually uses it anymore. And it's like the, it's like your, you know, your appendix. It's not, you're not really using it, but you still have it. Yeah. Um, whatever. There was a point when someone had to make a design decision about including it in the car. Right. That, that for whatever reason, people want to signal others with a light. So design is evidence of norms that are anticipated to be enacted. Hmm. I'm guessing that's not going to be our show title <laughs> and I, for today. I don't. <laughs> and I thought of that in this garage. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought maybe you were going to have a story that I have to say I'm a little disappointed. I'm, I'm glad that you figured. I'm glad that you figured out. I'm getting no lights. kudos for no, trying. The, no, no, the lights. I, 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 I have like kudos, but punished. I was being, I, I was being built up to maybe. I thought maybe you actually warned another human. Of, no. <laughs> No, that's, uh, that, that's not going to happen. I don't. Uh, all right, and a big road trip will do that. Yeah, I don't. You know, this is the other thing. I don't. I don't know how often I see speed traps either. I mean, this. They, I. I don't feel like I see them very often. Do you? Yeah. Really? There were always those motorcycle cops up and down Lumpkin. I don't know um, what you're talking about. Yeah. See, I. I think you don't see cops like you don't see lights during the day. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think you see things because you're on your bicycle. So you're going more slowly. No, I would see this when I was things. taking my father-in-law back and forth. Oh, okay. We'd see them all the time. You have to you always have to go. Uh, little local tip now. This is the local portion of our show. Okay. Okay. So if you're listening outside the Athens area. I'm not getting speed tickets though. So it, I'm obviously I'm not driving in, inappropriately on these streets because I've not been stopped to, to give, get a citation. No, because you're probably characteristically cautious. But not too cautious. I don't know. Because that can also cause danger. Of course. Yeah, yeah. No, you're just the right level of caution, Joe. Goldilocks you're, you're, caution. Right. You're perfect. You're perfect. Uh, I wasn't saying that. So this is a local tip. Again, if you're listening outside the Athens area, we will drop in a location-specific portion of the show for you. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so this is... Uh, if, if you hear us talking about Athens and you don't live in Athens, there's some problem. So get in touch with us about that. But um, on Lumpkin, yeah. at the bottom of the hill... This is going to the university. There are a good portion of the time, at least once a week, there are uh, cops on motorcycles with speed with uh, radar guns. When you say bottom of the hill, do you mean where Baxter turns off? No, no, not that far down. No, no, no. It's not the bottom of the hill. I but just past the track. Just past the track. Oh, it's okay. where it makes the curve around the Georgia Center. Okay, and you know, there's a, yeah. So in other words, not on a hill at all. Not even near a hill. Yeah, no, if you, it, it's the bottom, you don't, yeah, if you're on a bike, you would understand. Okay. Yeah, it, it's at the bottom of the more gentle hill. Okay. Yeah. Um, Neat. So anyway, that's just a little tip. Slow down there. Don't go more than 30. You'll I, get a ticket eventually. I don't need that tip because clearly I'm not having a problem because I didn't know they were there. Okay, you ready to start the show? <laughs> yeah, you're going to edit all that out, right? <laughs> I've heard you got some bees in your to. bonnet. I do, I do. I'm, I'm upset about some things. Are you you want to talk about the bees, or you want to? <clears throat> only a few. I think only a few are appropriate to talk about on the show. Oh, okay. Um, no, well, I'm either I'm, I'm not a bee in the bonnet type guy. 
I let things generally roll not. Up. No, That's no, true. no, no, no. You're generally no. not that. Yeah, let, live and let live. Right. Um, you know, everybody's different. Whatever. Do you need some whiskey to do this, or do you feeling like oh, you can just I- jump there's right There's an idea. Or- Should I hit the pause button here? I think we need to load up. <laughs> it's it's spring break. I just want to. I want you to feel free to talk about what's really concerning you. Let me talk about. Let's let's talk about email, Joe. So here's what I, I thought we would talk today. Not listener mail. No, no, no. Okay. No, this is. I thought we'd talk today about um, a couple of things. Okay. Um, related to law, but this is beyond law. So if you're not in law, this you may find this helpful anyway. But people who communicate via the written word. And whose job primarily concerns communicating via the written word. No, in the, the first category, people who communicate by the written word, nowadays, that's practically everybody. It's practically everybody. Between texts and emails and right. a memo at work, or if you're a student and you're writing a paper for a class. I'm, or, I'm more focused. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's those, everybody. Sure, those. And I, I'm focused on people whose jobs involve the production of products, where those products are primarily written uh, uh, papers of some kind. Okay. Okay. And um, and how do you do that? Yeah. And um, in 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 lawyerdom and in legal scholarship, we are still within the icy clutches of Microsoft Word, and <laughs> that that's got to change. So I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about that. Okay. Some alternatives, like when to use it, when not to use it. Just these are my thoughts. I think that I'd love to hear the feedback from the listeners on this. Uh, when do they have to use this awful piece of software? When when are they when are they free of it? Uh, but let's start with email. Do I get to offer you my thoughts, or do you just want to hear from listeners? Well, why don't we start with this? Why don't we start with this on email? Joe, what, what is your... Do you have any pet peeves with email? Like the way you the way people write them? Not content-wise. We're just talking here about uh, uh, format, uh, appearance. Uh, what's the right way to do an email, Joe, in your view? <laughs> the right way to do Is it. there a wrong way to do an email? The answer is yes. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, but you 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 got you got me confused because you said not content. Yeah, I mean, obviously, people can write bad emails, like you know, dear Joe, you're fired. That would be you wouldn't like that, would you? That would be content in an email you don't like. Yeah, but and it would have the virtue too. of brevity. <laughs> um, when that's not nothing, <laughs> especially for email. All right. So, do you have any pet peeves for the email, though? I guess I don't. I need to hear your peeves before right. I know what you're talking about. All right. Have you ever been in this situation? I mean, I certainly received emails that I thought were ugly in appearance. <laughs> well, that's because let's start they were there. in a crazy font, or they had a weird background, or Ooh, yeah, you know, some other kind of jazz. Right. So, so here's one thing. Okay. You ever, you ever got an email uh, that is uh, where, where someone is trying to convey textual information to you? And they decide the best way to do this is to send an email with a Word document attached to it. <laughs> or, or I can tell you, in the legal discipline, WordPerfect. Now, WordPerfect was a machine which I think was written for the Vax computer way back when, or, or, <laughs> or uh, you know, it's, it's the VIC-20 or something, and, yeah. and it got ported. Um, but it still finds uh, use, and, and you'll still... Hear people that swear by it. Yes, uh, but um, I have I have within the past three years received on more than one occasion a WordPerfect attachment. Yes, and so in an email. Now, when I get a WordPerfect attachment, usually it means uh, 
going and finding out that I have since uninstalled like OpenOffice, and so I have to go and I have to find OpenOffice on the web. I have yep. to install it. Yep. Um, I have to... Uh, or some kind of converter. I have to use some kind of converter. I've got to do something. Oh, here's... Hey. We're just recording our spring break episode. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I uh, will... Open, I will finally get this piece of software installed, which is usually written in Java, right? Which means I have to go and install Java. Because, mm. uh, you know, I, I like to run a lean machine. We should ma- say we're Mac users. <laughs> I like to run us. a lean machine. Hmm? I, don't, I, don't, I like to run a lean machine. I don't like to install this extra junk. Right. Right. Um, and then I get, it all, uh, I, get, I get it all tricked out to open up this WordPerfect document, usually by converting it to open document format first. Yeah. And, then, and I open it up, and there are four sentences. <laughs> One paragraph of text, which easily could have been text. Now, <laughs> to me, that is the that is the greatest sin in an email. Um, but pretty much, there are so many emails you get where people will attach a Word document where there was absolutely no reason that the content of the Word document could not have been copied and pasted into the email. Right. Now, the Word Perfect, I mean... The word perfect attachment ele- elevates this from, gosh, I'm wondering why you sent this as a word attachment, to why don't you just come to my house and attack my face with a wire brush? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because yeah. that's basically what you just did. <laughs> right, right. It's like, you know... It- with the Word one, it's not. I don't have to install new things. I don't have to do some crazy conversion thing. I right. just have to double click on something. Yeah, or which you, is a drag. Yeah, but. if you double click though, you're going to open Word or maybe well, Pages if you have to set up. So, so better. I usually am very careful about that. So I'll usually go go click on the you know right click on it or Command click and try to uh, quick look it. Oh, which is one of the best innovations in computers and and I, I would say about sixty years. Thank you for reminding me that you can do that. Yeah, I that way you don't actually have to launch anything. Yeah, my my Word is often running on my machine anyway, so it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about, um, let's suppose I want to sign my email, Joe, mm. I, and uh, I want it to look nice. We really are. There's a whole barrel full of pet peeve over there that I see across the room. If I'm not you're even, talking to me about signing emails, I'm not even going to go into some of them. I'm not even, because, you, you know, I, feel like I don't want to make anybody upset. a lot of baggage. I don't know. Not really. This doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. But it bothers you enough to mention it. It bothers me for the people who do it. Okay. So you know I'm what I mean? signing I mean, email now? Because I, I can imagine how much it you know bothers other people. Because me, I don't care. Okay. Um, the word perfect attachment, that should bother every right-thinking person. Yeah, the word it, perfect, it, come on. It's a pain in the butt. Okay, so um, uses that should that? you, should you, at the bottom of your email, in the signature block, which includes like your fax number like your office address, all this information, which, of course, everybody wants to see on every email. Of course. Um, your position and title. Right. Links to your SSRN page. Because they might want to send you a fax. Oh, yeah. They, there's all, you need to include at the bottom of your email, below a bunch of dashes and maybe some Unicode hearts and all kinds of stuff, yeah. you need to include Instantly. absolutely everything about you. Can Is I that put right? emoji in my email? Can I do that yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Now, oh, nice. Not everybody can read it. Okay. They don't have emoji in there. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but of course you can. Nice. Um, should you also block include- emoji. Now, give, now, I can do all that. But you know what? I'm thinking that's not enough. Oh. I need, I need someone to see my corporate logo. Oh, nice. So I'm going to attach an image. Is that a good idea in your view, Joe? Uh, sarcastic answer is yes. Yeah, don't do that, right? Don't do that. Don't do that. There's no... 
Don't attach stuff. Right. Unless you have to attach stuff, right? Right. Okay. <clears throat> Do you have any... Is this just me? Do you um, have a view about this? Now, here's one I don't have a view that about. That one's just you in the sense that I've become so... Um, sort of... Uh, anesthetized to the visual clutter that is the signature block. Right. That I don't even see it anymore. Yeah, you just don't even... Yeah, exactly. My I mean, brain is not accepting that information. Truthfully, that's how I am too. But, you know, it's like anything else. The more visual clutter, the, the worse we are. The worse off we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just public service, really. Um, Remember what's your view in It's a Wonderful Life when George Bailey comes back to town and he realizes it's the different town? Like yeah, the town yeah. has changed. Oh yeah. One way that that's symbolized. That's that's where his house landed on the witch, right? Yeah. yeah. One way that's uh, that that's conveyed mm-hmm. in that movie. Yeah. Is instead of being a a beautiful town where things are a kind of understated and neat and charming looking, it's this assault of visual clutter. Mm. crazy signs and neon and everything cheek by jowl next to everything else and it's just a big mess right so visual mess is like a powerful thing we know conveys you know yikes right (laughs) this is something bad has happened focus on your content is what you're saying get rid of that stuff realize what you're suggesting even if you don't mean to right if you're sending this you know be mindful of what you're putting out in the world Visually. Yes. I mean, imagine if our conversations work like that. <laughs> every, like, every time I talked, I said, and my name is Christian Turner. I work in so-and-so, so-and-so. You can get in touch with me. I guess we do that on our podcast every now and then. We do. But not after bit. every few sentences. No. That would be horrible. It would be. So why do that in an email? Unclear. Now, what's your view on this? I don't actually take a view on this, but some people have strong feelings about it. Okay. Are you a top quoter or a bottom quoter? I'm a bottom quoter. It- so everyone knows what we mean here. So when you reply in an email and it puts all those little uh, cursors, uh, cursor symbols, uh, you know, the greater than symbols, uh, and then quotes the email to which you're responding, right. should that go below your original content contribution to the conversation or should it go above? And a lot of the design types, you know, that I follow are big on top quoting. Really? Yeah, and, and, and this I actually agree with you, well, this part of it, that you only, you select. I mean, you need to be selective oh, about what you quote. So you select totally, only what you quote. That's a separate you, question. Yeah, yeah. So I, you can be selective in a bottom quoter. Yep, yeah. So if I, before you hit reply, if you select some of the text, at least in the mail client in, on a Mac, mm-hmm. that will be the only thing that gets quoted in your reply. Right. And, and I, I do that eh, some of the time, not all the time. Yeah. And I, I do it... Um, I do it some of the time, not all the time. I'm pretty consistent about doing it, especially when you have like four or five levels of quotations when it's gone back. Well, yeah, that I just start deleting. I like in my just reply, I'll cut go it all when out. I'm writing my reply and I just cut all that. Yeah, cut out. it all out. Cut yeah. it all out. Uh, but you tend to put your original contribution at the top and Correct. then all the quotes below. Yes. Uh, and again, some of these design types I follow, they say, no, you should put the, the quotable stuff at the top and then you put your, that way it looks like a conversation. So the person has a reminder of the context of your reply. Whereas my, I'm assuming that the person knows it, yeah, and I'm putting the, the the quoted stuff below as reference material in case they need it. Now, the in case you need it thing, the thi- the the time when I think that is material is like if the person like sometimes I'll get an email from a student and they'll ask like three or four different questions, 
Yeah. And so what I'll do is in the reply. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course. I will put my re- answers within. Uh, the word in my head is interlineating, but I I go in and I'll hit return in between two of their questions, type my answer, and go down a few more lines, hit return again, type in there. Yeah. So that you're putting in your answer right under the question. So that's the that's obviously under the way principle, to do it. Yeah, right? That's is perfect. the thing is above it, and then you say what you want to say yeah. below it. Perfect, Joe. Perfect. So far, you, I mean, you, you're an A-plus emailer as far as I, I can tell. I love it. I love that I'm getting good grades. Now, of course, when you send an email, you use those crazy templates, though, right? Crazy templates? Oh, you didn't know you can have templates? Because you can send HTML emails, you know. No, yeah, no. Most- the answer is no. Plain text. All <laughs> emails should be plain text. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm what my default is set on in terms of... I think given that I can bold things and italicize things if I have to, I guess that means I'm using HTML, right? Uh, either that or, or RTF. Okay. Rich text format. and But the point is that if you're using a good mail client and you're, if you just use the standard Mac mail client, yeah. it actually includes a plain text version in the uh, email. And so the email reader, the person's reading, interprets the one that it can read, you know, okay. the highest quality one it can. So it's fine. There's nothing necessarily yeah. wrong with it. Um, but not that crazy, like, watermark stuff. And, and then the email body is like it's a weird blue color. Yeah. And then it's got a crazy dancing bear right. on it and right. all this jazz. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, that is, drives me nuts. Yeah. This is, you know, and and, um, and Apple's a big culprit like it's here stationary. for this, actually. It, hmm. Yeah, stationary. Apple's a big culprit here for this. They keep trying to encourage people to use these yeah. themes in email. It's a bad idea. Plain text for email. Plain text is the answer. And you can go and you can change it so all your email goes by plain text and you yeah. never have to worry about this stuff. Um, <coughs> uh, I, feel I feel like, like we I need feel a, pop- a little bad. I feel bad about that one though, in the sense that, like, I know I have my taste, but but on the other hand, you know, if that's you know, people you, look express yourself how you want. Just realize that it is part of what you're conveying is what you're expressing. I feel like I don't know. I feel kind of grumpy to say if you like using a stationery in your email. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to buzz kill your good time. Um, yeah, I mean, there's issues about work I, and personal. Like, right. there's a you know professionalism issue, but I, I I hate that word. There's an issue about we don't have to call it professionalism. It's just the 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 big issue that we're talking about, which yeah. is what are you conveying when you do certain right, things right. when you yeah. make certain choices? I'll, I'll be the buzz kill. Don't do it. Okay. Plain text. And the reason for that is there's someone on the other end of the conversation. Get an okay first. Send an email saying, is it okay if I follow up with an email that's used as a crazy stationary? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so I feel like a public service announcement here, Joe. And this is a big one. I feel like this is definitely going to be a two-hour episode. No, 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 no. no. This is going to be a quick one. We had a big episode last week. Highly recommend. Because we're talking Great about email signature blocks. That's the problem. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get onto. We we're going to talk about we're something. We're going to get onto the big topic in a second. But okay. this is, this is a serious public service. This could save people's lives, Joe. I've got a I've got an email tip which can help save lives. Really? Mm-hmm. If there's a link in an email that you receive, do not click that link. Do not click links in email. Even if it's from someone you know. Do not click links in email. Okay, why is that? Um, and this is not anybody's fault other than the people who make email clients. The people who make email clients should not allow this to happen. But Ooh. the the thing that you see underlined, even if it looks like a URL, even if it looks like a, a web address, um, is not necessarily where you're going to end up when you click the link. 
Okay, so in all these phishing expeditions where you get an email from your bank saying, you know, you're overdrawn or there's a problem with your account, please click here. And it says, you know, you, it underlined and in blue is this link which says, you know, he, go here for HTTP colon slash slash bankofamerica.com slash account or something like that. You click on that link and it turns out that it goes to somewhere completely different, right? So what you should always do is hover over that link, copy it paste it into your addressed bar, look at it very carefully, and then hit return to go to that link. Never, ever click on links in email. That's my so stri- strong, sure strong advice. It sounds like great advice. I have a little bit of trouble believing you actually follow it. So I, wanna, I do. I, ask I you never f- click links in email. I want to ask you a follow-up question. Okay. So if tomorrow I sent you an email... Oh, go straight to my junk mail. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess we're going to move on to the next topic. No, no, no. Okay. So if I sent you an email, and in that email, I included a URL to a news story that, hey, for our next episode, I think we should talk about this news story. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Would you click on that or not? Yeah, we click on that. I got to admit, you got me on that one. But here's the thing. Just because you're going to... And it's because you know that I'm not going to send you a link that's going to take you somewhere that I don't mean for you to go. Yes, but the the key thing is it's not because it comes from you. It's because of the other content in the email verifies your identity. Like, email is a horribly insecure thing. Like, just because oh, you get an email right. from someone it, doesn't mean that it's you. When you say right. from me, yeah. um, uh, you and I were talking about the same thing, but you thought I meant it came from my email address, which, which is not good what enough. I, meant. Yeah, I said it was from me. And, uh, and I verify that it is from you. So it's not merely from looking, my email address. Right. It is actually from me, or so you believe. And I infer that from the content. Right. Right. So if the, if the, and, but you may get stuff from people that you know that says, can you believe this? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Which may not be from them and at all. This is, and this is underlined, and it's like, you know, or you'll never believe what this person did, period, exclamation point, exclamation point, underline. And uh, you may get that from a friend, and you're like, well, I wonder what they did. Don't well, click on you that. You may get that from a friend's email address. That's you right. You don't know that it's your friend. Right. You don't know anything. So you're speaking imprecisely. Ah. In a way Are we done that- with this? Um, I was done with it quite some time ago. <laughs> but you, you realize that could save someone's life. It could, maybe. Yeah. You it, could lose everything. You could. And it could send you into a desperate tailspin. It could. Uh, you could get hooked up with the wrong people. Anything could happen. Right. You click on links in email, just willy-nilly. You can't yep. do that. Don't do that. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going over this, Joe, because I love our listeners deeply. And um, I just I wouldn't want anything to happen to them. You don't want them to find to sort of look up someday and find they've become a prostitute. Now let's move on to the big topic. <laughs> I is the big topic the icy clutches of Word. Well, let's start with where Word meets meets email Mm-mm. in an unholy alliance. Of, you know, we, we already said don't send stuff as a Word document when you can go in. Don't send stuff as any kind of attachment if you don't if need you don't to have send to. it. And, and by the way, what we should have said, well, I'm going to say it. You might think this is a terrible thing, but I'm going to say it. If, you're, if you do have to send something as an attachment, um, send it as a PDF. Well, that's what I was going to get into. It dep- so think about what you're trying to do, right? Uh, yes. If what you're trying to do is to send something to someone to read, right? You don't need to send them the guts of the thing, right? You just need to send them the, the, in the best possible way uh, for reading the thing that you want them to read. And that 
way right now if it can't be plain text. If, in other words, if formatting and appearance are important, right, like a resume or like a finished paper, send it as a PDF. Send it in a format which will preserve the formatting that will look the same on their machine as it looks on your machine. Right. Right? Um, sending a Word document for people to read um, when all you want them to do is read it and not edit it, right? So you get, you know, uh, it's kind of, I always say this, and you may think this goes too far, Joe, mm. but I always think it's kind of like, yeah, um, it's like a big family dinner where like somebody shows up at the table without a shirt on. <laughs> That's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just a little bit of an off note. Right. It's like, you know, why are you, you know, we had a nice thing going here. Yeah. And now there's this. Like, you wouldn't send someone, if, if, you, if, if you wanted someone to listen to a song, right? you wouldn't send them the GarageBand file or the Logic file. You'd send them an MP3 or something, right? Let's suppose I want you to watch right. a, what, let's suppose I, I want you to watch a video that I've There's made. There's a bunch of issues going on here, though, because part of it is, you mentioned a few different things. You mentioned, don't send, um, you, you don't want to send someone the, the, the thing they need if they want to edit it when all you want them to do is read it. Right. Right. You've mentioned, um, you know, even if you wanted them to edit it, you, your second point seems to be about don't make assumptions about the format that's usable by that person. Sure. So yeah. GarageBand, you send that to someone who doesn't own a Mac, what the hell? Right. They, I right. don't know whether there is a version of, I don't know whether there's a program on the PC platform that opens GarageBand files. Right. Like the faintest idea. Yeah. Who cares? There's an MP3 right. file. Send it as an MP3 file. Don't be a jerk. Unless you're going to collaborate, and so if you if you want, the but then other, you would have communicated. You would have communicated already. Exactly. Use. Right. Right. So that wouldn't be the issue. People just assume Word is a standard for when it's not collaboration, and um, and normally they'll send a Word file when, in fact, collaboration on writing is not needed. They just want you to read something. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's no good. No PDF for that. If you need format, if you don't need format, if you just want someone to look at your words, plain text. Put yeah. it right in the email or just send it as a .txt file. There's much less use of plain text editors, .txt files, and all that stuff than, there, than I would think there would be. Let's hold off on that for a second. I agree with that completely. I think that's a, that's a, that's a big one. Um, hey, Darce. Oh, yeah, Darcy's back. Uh, okay, so... Oh, I got off track. I'm going to have to edit this out, Joe. Really? Yeah. Well, so as I was saying, if you want, uh, if you, if you want to, uh, someone to watch a video, like, do you send them an Adobe Premiere file? I don't even know what that is. Yes. Or, or a Final Cut Pro file? I don't even know what that is. An iMovie file? I actually did kind of know what that yeah, was. Yeah, you know what all these are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you, 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 send, you send them a video file. You send them a finished video file for viewing which could be in QuickTime format or MPEG-4, you know, one of these formats. Which, right. Or, you, you know, ideally you'd post it on YouTube or something like that and you just send them to the link, right? Which communicates to the person, I have something I want you to watch. And I'm going to let you watch this in the easiest way. Right. Um, so, you know, imagine watching someone's video where you open up the entire Final Cut Pro interface to watch their, like, home movie, like, where the, with all the editing stuff. No, that's no good. I was trying to think what this is like outside. It would be like... Uh, um, you don't want know. the person who's bringing you flowers to drive their truck into your house. <laughs> you want them to just bring the flowers up to the front door, right? You don't want them to drive the truck into the your house, right? It's not necessary. What's what? What they're trying to get you is the flowers. 
would it be like about buying a McDonald's hamburger and having to go back to the back and you know have it all put together and getting all the ingredients and putting it know. together? I don't know either. This is no good. This is delivery, though. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're missing it, Joe. We're not hitting it. I feel like you're missing it because you're not yet talking about the icy clutches of Word. Okay, let's talk about Word. Because you're st- still stuck on email attachments. We're done with that. Right. Yeah, but, you know, I feel like, you know, if we could just help a few more people. <laughs> um, and, you know, these are these are like light bees in my bonnet. They aren't big bees. It makes me sad that we haven't gotten to the big bee yet. Well, there's, I don't know. Yeah, okay, so this is the big one. Is there one? Yeah. Okay, what the hell is it? Um, we should stop using Word. Mm. Almost everybody should not use Word. Really? And maybe not even Pages. Really? Yeah. Oh, I can't agree with that at all. Well, I just don't. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So, how how are we gonna uh, talk about this, Joe? Because um, are we gonna disagree about this? We may. I don't know. I think I feel that we are probably. Hmm. So, Word was an advance. Word and and word processors like it were an advance over word processors back in the day when you and I were first like using word processors. You know, I'm talking about. Back when we were young, you know, early 50s. Um, so maybe, maybe a little later for you, I don't know. But There was um, a program when I was in college, I think it was called like WordStar. Do you remember that program? Yeah. yeah, this yeah. Is, so this is back when, I don't even know if WordPerfect existed at that point. But, but Do you know what my fir- first word processor was? No. Bank Street Writer for the Apple II. Nice. Mm-hmm. But there are many, so there have been many word processing programs over the years. Yeah. And Printers do- change, other things change, the word processing programs themselves change. Um, they all go through a cycle of, of being lean and mean and awesome and then become these feature-bloated monsters. There's a more fundamental distinction, though, Okay, from early on. So uh, way back in the day, you would enter text, and you would format that text with various tags and things, right? And so you would kind of type out what you meant to happen and then kind of format it later. And back in the earliest of days, like with this Bank Street Writer thing and other things, like the printer you printed it out on would affect how it looked. Like, sure. Do you have a daisy wheel printer? Right. You remember daisy wheel printers, Oh, Joe? I do. Yeah. These are, yeah. Like, Loud as hell. Uh, or a dot matrix printer. Sure. Yeah. So how how the thing looks totally depends on how you, you output it. Well, with, I think it's maybe first with a Mac... Uh, maybe the Lisa, I don't know. Uh, there started to be programs which would render the full typography right there on the screen so you yeah. could see exactly what it was going to look like when you printed the thing out. WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. And I, and and that's dominated for a long time, right? But I feel like there's a movement now back to what, what, uh, um, uh, um, what you mean is what you get or is it what you see is what you mean? I always forget what this is. But the idea is that you um, uh, that what you type is kind of your conceptual model of what you want to see on the page, and then how it's actually rendered is kind of a secondary thing. Here's what I mean by that. So, suppose I'm writing a book, okay? okay? And what I really want are, you know, I've got my paragraphs. Those paragraphs fall within sections. Maybe those sections fall within chapters. I want to have some references in the book. Maybe some tables, maybe some figures. So I have these different objects that I want to kind of have in the text, and it's a hierarchical 
kind of structure. Right. Um, mainly when I'm writing this, so I just want to write, and I want to think about that organization, but I don't want to think about exactly how it's laid out and what typeface I use and what font size and what uh, line spacing and like all of that should be subject to change, right? Have you ever had this experience though, where you have a completely laid out typeset document and then someone wants to change the formatting and you have to go back through and redo things and it doesn't, you know, you want to change a font or something and it, it doesn't, you know, you change it on almost all the document, but maybe the footnotes didn't get changed or uh, the, the the font is the old font in the table, and so you have to go back manually in the table and change the font. You, you've been through this, I take it. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of the reason that that happens is because the author of the document mm-hmm. wasn't using... Styles. The, right, wasn't using the feature set of that software in the way that would make those changes most smooth later. Now, what I've read... And different programs have different ways of doing that, but what they all have in common is there are things that, if you're not smart about it early, it gives a bigger headache later. Right. What I've read is that virtually no human beings use styles consistently and correctly. (laughs) And it's easy to see why it's so easy to get off of. You know, most people, you know, they'll type some stuff out, and then... Highlight a bunch of stuff and change the font and change the size. You have to have a reason, as is usually true, right? To, to In order to put the time in to getting good at something, you have to have a reason to put the time in to right. get good at it. And most people don't because, again, these programs feature bloat beyond belief. Now, right. as it happens, um, because I co-own a casebook publishing company and and in the context of doing that, have to work with authors to create manuscripts, mm-hmm. I actually have had a reason to put in the time. Yes. So I actually do know how to use the styles now. Because mm-hmm. I had to learn, because it made my life a lot better to learn. Yes. and Which I, is why I did it. I've been careful with it on, um, on the projects that I've done that have had to be in Word ever since coming into legal academia. Right. Before, when I was in math, everybody uses LaTeX. And LaTeX is a very different concept. It's very much like HTML, right? The language of the web. Um, And so uh, you learned those conventions for your field and you worked within your field. Right. And the way these things work, right, is instead of thinking about exactly how it's going to be rendered, if I want something in italics, I will surround the word in italics tags, right? Um, And in HTML, they look a certain way. And in LaTeX, they look a a different way. Right. And and then later, whatever engine we put it in, it will render it as italics is rendered in that engine. Yeah, on the modern web, I have a, maybe a separate file, the cascading style sheet, which will specify exactly how the different formatting uh, will should appear, right? right? Um, and that 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 is a once you move to that kind of paradigm of writing, it is just a much more efficient, I think, much better way of writing, especially if you're collaborating. So you don't have to send someone because uh, Word is really a page layout program. You don't need to think about page layout until the thing is done. Right, that's the point at which you should be thinking. When the when the writing is mostly done, yeah, then you're you think about different laying it statements. Out. It's like this is why I don't agree with you. It's like you don't have to, but you don't, but you also don't have not to. Like you can think of it then at the beginning if you want, or you can think about it later, or you can never think about it. I, you know, yeah, you're right. But you're saying should, 
Like I'm saying should because until- I'm saying should because it's collaborating via Word documents that are all styled up and sending it across to other people's machines where those styles get broken and people add creates an, an absolute mess that it, usually some like administrative assistant has to worry about in the end. It's a, it is a recipe for chaos. However, again, I would having, having had occasion to do it and do it successfully. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and in this way, I do agree with you because I know what it takes to get it to, to work well and not become chaos. Right. Like I know what you have to do to keep it from tipping over into chaos. Right. Um, and, and what you have to do is considerable. Right. And so at that level I'm agree I agree with you 100%. This is not something this, this is a this is a word in particular and the kind of bad habits it can encourage um it, it is something that's very easy to use carelessly in a way that wastes an enormous amount of time and effort. Right. But it's also but it gets you thinking about all kinds of things you should not be thinking about at that stage. You keep saying should not be thinking. It's not your business to tell when people to think about I, that absolutely, or not. I'm going to lay down the law on this, Joe. <laughs> There's a right time to think about that. Let me, let me put it this way. It, so it, you say. Well, I, I, I say I, oftentimes people – let me put it this way. I think people often don't necessarily want to spend time thinking about, for example, how many spaces should appear after the subheading lettering or numbering, right? Or whether the subhead should be in italics or in uh, Roman – uh, type uh, um, oftentimes that's not the right time to be thinking about it for most people right um, and yet word kind of forces you into types into, into page layout at the same time you're making content and it pairs those things together in a way that is most people don't perceive that can be easily pulled apart and in fact can't be I mean, I look. I know machines pretty well. You know, I've done a lot of uh, I've done a lot with computers over the years, and uh, um, and still, you know, I've got it. You know, when I'm writing a paper, um, inevitably, I'll be on like um, um, section four of the paper, and section four. Uh, you know, I'll start a new subheading, section four A, and it'll it'll be section J for some reason. And I go in there because I think you know I need to get it to re start renumbering under, and I know how all that works, and I still get bitten by it all the time. Um, I shouldn't have to think about that. I agree that you should not have to think about and it. And there's a better way. I I, th- I agree that you should not have to think about it until the time when you think you should be thinking about it. So if the program, any one of them, gets in your way and makes you think about things you don't want to think about at that time, that does not sound good. Right. And so if you want freedom from this problem... If you want the freedom to decide for yourself when you're going to be thinking about how the thing looks on the printed page or on the or on a retina screen or something else, when you when you when you're making the you know when you're ready to think about that, you can think about it at that time, and you can think about content at another time. Yes. So the I think a better way um, for uh, especially for long form writing, right? is to use a is to use a model that allows you to separate the content creation portion from the content presentation portion of the final product that's all i'm saying okay. and what i'm saying is that the, the the failings of word and frankly even pages which i think is a little bit better in this regard but not yeah. not a whole lot cuz it's the same approach is it those although they they're not inextricably intertwined because styles, you know, styles are like tags which hide a bunch of uh, of data about, you know, presentation. Right. They don't work very well. And in fact, if we just look at how well does it work, most people don't use them. 
right? And when they do use them, it's easy to get them mixed up and it's easy to kind of change a style in one place and forget about it and have it change elsewhere or not change elsewhere. The reason most people don't use them is because they don't create documents complex enough to require them. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I think they're hard to use. I think those and are, I'm, I think these yeah, programs there, are hard to use. I'm sure you're right that there's an increment of their, their under use that comes from the difficulty of using them. I'm sure that's right. To a degree. I mean, I try, you know, I, I, the beginning of a writing project, I'll set up a bunch of styles. I'll try to get them to work right. I'll always have to essentially within my document debug a bunch of stuff. Like, why do these extra styles... I don't even want these styles I don't use in the drawer. How do I get rid of these styles in the style drawer? Or if I'm using Word in the little palette, how do I get... And for whatever reason, I can't. And then I'll, like, put in a new footnote. And then for whatever reason, it'll it'll style it with the old footnote file, the old footnote style. Yeah, you know, how do I get... Right. It always happens. And look, you know, it's, it's not that... Um, I don't know how these programs work. They're just very hard to use. That's what I'm saying. And there's a better way. And that better way, I think, is Markdown. I don't think there's any reason why we can't communicate among, let's just restrict it to lawyers and, and legal academics, almost all the time by plain text. Plain text. And Markdown makes structured, just, formatted plain text readable, both as plain text and then makes an e- it creates an easy way to turn that into HTML or a PDF. Does, um, does Markdown have a good way to create Footnotes or endnotes? Yep, multi-markdown. Multi-markdown. So a different version of markdown. It's an extension which adds tables and footnotes Okay. in a really nice way. Because those the are indispensable, I think, for legal work. Yeah, I, I, use, it all, I, I use it all the time. Yeah. Um, so, so here's the... I don't think our listeners know what... Uh, at least a lot of them may not know what markdown is. Um, although it's increasingly common on the web. Before you describe it, though, I do want to emphasize one thing you just said that I yeah. think is, is a different... Because it is a different perspective, um, and I think it's one that might be very interesting and provocative for folks, and it's uh, and for other folks, they might think, well, that's something that I'll never worry about or care about. Um, <laughs> and it's the idea that, because um, you, you, you've made the set, and you've mentioned it a few times, it's separating the semantic content right. from the way that semantic content is rendered. Exactly, yeah. And that's an advantage when you can contemplate it's being rendered in multiple different ways on multiple platforms right in diff- that have different requirements right et cetera et cetera right but if but if um but it seems to me th- this separation between content and presentation yeah um is is most valuable precisely in that context and gets less and less valuable the further away you get from that concern so if you if you are going to be only presenting it in a single rendering, right? You're gonna you're working on this thing. You're gonna print it out in your own laser printer right next to you, and you're gonna hand it to somebody, and that's the only way it's ever gonna get used or presented or rendered or whatever. I don't know that the way you're thinking of it is the best way to think about it. I'm I, not sure yet. Right, right, right. I I would say even then, I'll give a couple of. I'm examples. not surprised to hear you. I'm gonna say give that. I'm gonna give a couple of, of examples. So when I mentioned, uh, so when I did my dissertation, I did it in LaTeX, which is very common for math and physics and, and other areas that use lots of equations and things. Uh, and it's especially good at rendering equations. It's a, right. right. It, it, and, but it's also, even if you're just doing text, it, it for a long time was the most beautiful way to render, render text, that. at least automatically without a professional designer. Right. Um, and 
at my university, there was a thesis office whose job was to make sure that the final dissertation and I guess master's theses too complied to the letter with the university's basically typesetting and style requirements. Okay. And there was a whole book about this stuff. Not and the office was notorious for, you know, multiple iterations. Because, you know, uh, when my wife did hers, it was, in, it was in biology, it was in Microsoft Word. You try to set up Microsoft Word styles and, and, uh, and margins and everything just to meet, you know, you go through the thesis and you go through all these checklists, right? Right. And still, you know, several times you have to go back and change a few, because they always find something, right? Well, when I did mine, right, so I'm just writing my content in LaTeX, right? And there's a separate file or a separate portion of the file, depending on mine, I split it out into separate files, which includes all the formatting information, right? Well, I got that formatting information from someone else who had already been through it, so I just used their file, right? This is the, the file which dictates what the margins are and all the presentation information and stuff that when I'm writing, I don't even have to think about because my document is logically structured, right? Here's chapter, this is a new chapter. And that's all I have to say. I don't have to say, like, how the chapter t- title should appear, any of that stuff, right? right? Um, went through, and uh, uh, the thesis office was pretty amazed that they didn't have to kick it back out. Went through on the first try. And not because I'm amazing or anything like you know I didn't I didn't do any of that work I just used someone else's format, sure that the file they'd already and other now they try to do this in Word too they'll say oh here's my here's my Word file for my dissertation just use and you try to use it and inevitably stuff kind of gets messed up because you know you you will use unstyled text over here accidentally or something so this is always a problem with Word because at its core it is a page layout program right that conjoins presentation with content. So you're saying in that sense, it's making you think about presentation necessarily. because yeah, You can't get away from it. Because you're unthinkingly invoking presentation issues. Exactly. If you're typing words in. That's, that's exactly right. And it makes it harder to share. So if I send it to my thesis advisor and he or she puts a few comments in um, or, or, or writes directly into the text and comes back, I suddenly I have whatever style... He or she was using, and you know, in his or her copy of Word, and it comes back. You know, I've got all these. You know, and it, suddenly the document gets junky. We're yep. really we're just trying to transfer text back and forth. So, what? So Markdown is kind of like LaTeX and HTML, but it was uh, written. Um, it's a. Spe- it's not exactly a spec. I mean, uh, John Syracuse had a whole show about how Markdown was not a spec, but this is this is maybe a layer too nerdy for us right now. Uh, but it is a uh, markdown is a way of writing um, plain text that prepares it to be formatted later, but where you can think about exactly how it's going to be formatted at another time. So some of the things you're typing in, you're typing in because you know that if it got put through a program that rendered things, it right. would interpret those characters to invoke a certain thing. Like, right. So put here's this how, in bold. Put right. this in italics. Right. So here's how it works. I just I type a paragraph in plain text, plain text editor, any plain text editor will work. And these are very lightweight things. You can have them on your iPhone, iPad. There are a whole bunch of apps that do this now. Um, and, uh, and they're interchangeable because it's just a plain text file, not a right. proprietary format or anything. Right. Um, and if I want a new paragraph, I just blank line, hit return twice, blank line. Right. And anything that's in the next, and that'll create a paragraph consistently formatted. If I want to uh, italicize something, or um, I, I guess it would be emphasizing something because maybe I would want to render that emphasis differently. Maybe it would be underlined in some permutations and, and um, or italicized. italicized in others. Right. Uh, you just put 
uh, one star, one asterisk around the italicized portion. So before and mm-hmm. after. Just like, and, and what this piggybacks on is kind of how in a plain text email we might emphasize stuff, right? Mm, so that right. I routinely do that. I don't italicize stuff using in an email with uh, hitting the italics button. I'll just put stars around it. Yeah. Right? Uh, if you want to bold something, you put two stars around it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, if you want to make a list, okay, I hit return. Uh, and I'm going to make a, a, an uh, unordered an list. I'll put an asterisk, space, the first item. I hit return. And in, a, in certain programs, it'll automatically put the next, next asterisk in there. But maybe I have to put it in myself. Um, and the next item and so on. And I've got a, a list which, and, which will probably re- be rendered with bullet points. Right? But when you just read the plain text, you see exactly what the person was trying to do. Because right? you're thinking semantically, again, of what they're trying to say. Uh, uh, if I maybe have an order list, I'll do one period and then I'll type the first item, hit return, and either the program will automatically go to two period or I'll type it myself, just like it is in Word, right? In Word, it does the same thing. It can if you want it to, yeah. If you want it to. It can create um, automatic lists from what you're doing. But again, I'm not thinking about how this is going to be, how it's going to look when it's printed out, but this is what I mean is that this is an ordered list, right? And I can have headings too. And usually with a heading, you would put like a pound sign, the number sign and a space, and that would be the top level heading. Two for a subheading, three for a subheading below that, three pounds. Uh, or you can also underline them, right? So the point is that you have a bit of plain text, which you could just paste into an email. Uh, people can open in any number of programs, you know, ByWord, IA Writer. Um, uh, there's, um, um, what is it? Um, uh, what, editorially? I forget all the different terms. I've, what's the one that I really like um, that I've been using a lot lately? I have a bunch of these. Hold on a minute. Unlock it on my iPad. Yeah, while, you, while you're looking for that. Um, I mean, yeah, I, editorial. What? Editorial. Okay. It's a really cool one. I, I get why... But see, here's the, here's the idea, Joe. When, when we're communicating ideas in our field... We're communicating text, right? It's not the layout we're communicating. It's not, and, and it's not, uh, um, although the layout's important, to the, it encapsulates the ideas. Right. But when we're working together on something, I can just, you know, it's just so much easier to, to deal in just the text. It doesn't, you know, coordinating working on a page layout problem is a different problem than coordinating working on textual ideas. Uh, that's true. Right. Um, and, and separating those two is a huge advance. It can be. I think this is more personal than you're suggesting. I think there are, I think there is, um, and maybe you don't mean to suggest it. Maybe I'm not, maybe there is no suggestion and I'm just mistakenly in, uh, inferring it. But um, I think there is a range of taste about different ways to work when you want to work on which aspects of this issue. Um, And I think a lot of, now I I think my intuition is that there are a lot of people wasting a lot of time that they would themselves call wasted time. If only they knew that there were these other ways of doing things. Right. And because they don't know about them, they haven't tried them. They don't see how much more effective for their own uses. Those ways could be. I'm not down with the should, should, should stuff 
like you should do it this way because this will maybe it would work better for you maybe it wouldn't work better for you what i know though is that if you haven't even tried it because you didn't even know it existed you also don't know whether it would work better for you because you haven't tried it yeah i i maybe am a little bit more on the should side i and i'm on the should side because uh (laughs) Um, because you could actually make a program kind of like Word, you know, where you type stuff out and you hit a little italics button or you hit Command-I. And a lot of these do work like that, right, where you hit Command-I or you hit an italics button. And it makes it look in italics. But the point is that behind the surface is not a complicated binary file format with all kinds of junk. It's this plain text file. The question is how many features do you need in text that you communicate, right, for the most part, yeah, before that's actually- moving to a complicated page layout application? Yes, and that's a very... Um, that's a fascinating, I find that to be a fascinating question. Like how many, you know, how many features do you need? I mean, that's, um, boy, that's something about which people could have a range of opinions. Some of them really well-informed, some of them not at all well-informed, um, because they've had experiences or not had experiences, uh, you know, so it's very, it's a, it's actually a rich topic. Yeah, um, I mean, and, do, and there's hmm. not, and so there's more than one answer to it. It seems to me. But at, we, so we consume. Uh, we 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 both have practiced, and we work in uh, legal academia now. So we've consumed legal scholarship, uh, and written it. Uh, we've consumed briefs, written them. Absolutely. Uh, written uh, opinions, written all, you know, um, all kinds of stuff, right? right. Uh, Over a course of years, where the technologies right. changed. The feature sets of these programs have right. changed. The platforms for the programs have changed. Right. So we've both seen a lot of stuff. My my point is that given that menu of things, and especially looking forward at the range of kind of publishing targets and platforms, as more and more stuff goes out onto the web or is going to be reused in various ways, but even not even considering that, just looking at like what's already out there. Yeah. I think we'd be much better off if we had much, much simpler and more interoperable tools. And Markdown is a way of providing that. I don't think that in legal scholarship um, that we actually need anything uh, that Markdown doesn't provide. You mean multi-Markdown? Yeah, multi-Markdown. Yeah. Because I think I do think having some way to have either endnotes or footnotes is, given the way things are in law today, I think that's indispensable. It yeah, would be very right. hard to get people out of the habit of using those features in a document. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, and, and I use those, and I think that's important, right? Um, but this is on my mind, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm in the um, kind of in, 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 in writing mode again, right? Beyond the idea and scratching around mode. And, uh, and I, I think I'm, I'm, um, I'm transferring all the stuff that I have in pages into... Uh, um, into plain text markdown mm-hmm. for the for the book mm. do the whole book in markdown like why and it's just now here the benefit of this is i don't have to open like pages on my iphone or on my ipad you know you can do that it's possible now to use word style documents on these things sure um but i you know if it's plain text it opens very quickly it's very and there are beautiful apps that do these things right so i can actually be working on the book if I'm standing on a train just by opening my phone and opening the particular part and just typing or dictating or what have you. Right. Um, that's I do much. all my, you know, I, so here, my own, just my own, the way I, my, I do work on these things. Um, uh, so when I'm r- doing article work. Yeah. Um, 
all my notes, everything other than the dra- the drafting of the piece itself, yeah, which is going to get have to, which I'm going to have to send to journals in Word since they all insist on receiving it that way. Yeah, um, it's a reason not to send anything to journals, by the way. <laughs> but all my notes, all my supporting stuff that I'm working on, those are all just plain text files. Yeah, that's yeah. not. I don't so. I'm with you on that. That's yeah. how I like to write things too. Have you seen this? Um, do you do you ever use Scrivener or sure. Ulysses or one of these things? Yes. Which which one? Both of them or Scrivener? Scrivener. I, I've I've tried to use Scrivener several times and have used it up to a point at which time. So let me for the listeners. Um, these are kind of like um, uh, these are both apps, but let's just focus on Scrivener for now. Ulysses, I, I think, is what I'm going to move to, but. Mm. Uh, so what it, what it does is it, it it's a place to kind of put all of your notes, your documents, you can put whole PDF files, all your research into different folders, and it also um, holds your draft. And it holds your draft in like different units. So like each chapter or even each section could be a separate file within Scrivener, right? This uh, And at when you're ready to produce a, a draft or when you're ready to produce a you know a, a version of what of what you've done you compile it you you select compile from right. the menu and it automatically goes through and kind of stitches together all of the uh all of the documents in your drafts folder uh so it's a way kind of of conceptually segregating your writing into different parts and of course you can reorder them so if you decide you want one part before another you just basically drag one thing in front of the other you can turn off sections in the compilation so it can maybe you decide you want to drop a whole section you just uh in the compiler you just turn that part off and so what comes out is like it can either be in i think a rich text format which could be opened by word uh, a pdf and it's got all kinds of output options right so this is it is a program which kind of specializes in separating content production from typesetting um, which and, is right up your alley, which is place. right up my alley, and and also in kind of gathering your research and outlining everything all into one place, right? Um, which was an, uh, something I've wanted since I remember thinking about this and even calling an old friend of mine, and I think it was like two thousand and three, and saying, "I've you know I've got the idea for the next word, right? <laughs> the word killer is this, you know, visually rich application, right? That where you manage an outline." where you've got a binder full of documents related to a piece that are tagged with it, right? And then a document creation tool, which in a rich visual way ties those things together. So you can kind of, you know, indicate where you are in your outline in the piece, right? And what's more, it's all networked. So if you're in a law firm setting and there's like a case, you know, that you You could all be pulling on. Yeah, Yeah. if I pull a case, uh, then I can see all the documents that it's used in and how it was used and where it was used because right. it has a semantic kind of understanding of how all the documents fit together. Well, all right, so Scrivener's not all of that, but it's kind of... It's, it's it, But it's it's got elements of it, right? Because it ties together the outlining, research, and writing parts all into all into one app. I've used it a few times, not recently. <laughs> and for my own... Um, what was It's funny... Um, it it kind of prayed to some of my own bad habits in terms of it it it's got so much it's got it's so rich in features yeah it tur- i was i was getting sucked into this sort of fiddle fest yes where too, I would yeah too fiddly yeah too uh, too much fun to yeah. just go in there and noodle and doodle and fiddle and 
did right. one, not actually get anything done. Right, right, right. This is like, um, it's the same problem as, as people who like want to organize, uh, their houses and they, they spend hours and hours and hours going out and getting out, getting all kinds of organizer things. Right. You know, all kinds of like special boxes and stuff. And all of it is, you know, could, and a label writer yeah, to put on the, fu- yeah. Yeah. And could all be useful. the houses is disorganized. It's ever been. Exactly. Only now it's also full of additional items right. that you just went out and got. So it's, Im- I mean, it's, it, it's important to be mindful that if you're having problems writing, uh, it may not be that you have the wrong tools, right? <laughs> and it may be that, that fiddling over tools will actually, uh, yeah. you know, d- d- prevent you from crossing right. over whatever barrier you have in front of you. Well, so my dream, though, um, uh, well, aside from this visually rich app that we don't, that we don't have, but my, my dream for interoperability where I can, like, use a, any of a whole bunch of different apps on my, on my, uh, you know, on my uh, phone or tablet or on my computer. I want to just be able to use any app to get at the content. I want the content to be there, right? And I want to use whatever app I want to use at the time to get at and edit that content, right? And then I want at another time to think about how I want to stitch that content together and then produce something, right? It sounds complicated, but it's really not. All I I want to do is to be able to like (laughs) use whatever app I want to type whatever I want at any time, right? I want my data to be a separate thing. And here, what I basically what I want is a folder in Dropbox to have all of my drafts in, and I want to be able to reach them at mm. any time, right? Right. Um, so Ulysses looks like it will do this for me. Really? So yeah, Ulysses is similar in concept to Scrivener, um, but uh, you can have a um, uh, basically a folder within Ulysses contain a bunch of Markdown files, right? And uh, and what's cool is, uh, so you put all those together, and then you can at any time preview what it would look like if you assembled those into a draft. So, like, each one is a different section, uh, and you, you type along, and you do something different, and you hit preview, and it'll yield up a PDF, or you can export it as a Word file. Um, it has lots of different export options. It's actually RTF, but, you know, close enough. You can resave it as a Word file. Um, and, uh, you know, even with Ulysses Open, I can open text edit or do something on my phone, I can reach through Dropbox, that same file, edit it, and it updates instantly in Ulysses. Oh. Right? So the point is that you can use whatever tool strikes you as best at the time for writing to write, and it updates it within this, like, you know, within Ulysses, which will be the ultimate tool that you use to kind of render it all out. I think it seems cool to me. I'm interested to take a look at it. No, boy. What? No, 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 no. Okay. All right, you're ge- you're genuinely interested. Yeah, because I, like I said, I used Scrivener a few times. I I do I use text files. That's actually what the the way I do things that are short of the draft of the thing I've got to do in Word. How much easier would it be for you if the authors of your books, or this is some um, we we can drop a little a little plug here. This is Semaphore Press, right? Yes. If all of your authors sent you styled uh text but styled using markdown wouldn't that be easier for you wouldn't that be so much easier than cludging around with word maybe so this is what i do also oh, in- pr- probably although um i'm pausing because i'm trying to think about if, if this if that answer is accurate we've so there are a few i mean there are things to abstract a little bit away from semaphore press there there are things that that make it challenging right so uh there are different platforms that 
that people use PC versus Mac now using a text file helps you. It doesn't matter. Right. Helps right. you not worry about that. So it has that going for it. Android, you know. Right. No. Exactly. Chromebook. Right, right. Who no, cares? All true. Yeah. All true. Uh, <clears throat> the, the difficulty, though, I think the, 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 the thing you have to bridge is, so would it be better if we were in that world? I suppose it very well might be. Um, getting to that world, most law professors and even practicing lawyers, this just isn't how they work. So if you want them to send you something that isn't a Word document, you have to teach them how to do it. Yeah, but don't you think the... the, the iOS and 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 the mobile revolution are changing things a little bit. Maybe, so maybe ten years from now, right? When you're when you're talking to, you know, ten years from now, when someone who's twenty today is thirty, yeah, and someone says to them, "Hey, let's do this project," yeah, and and so they approach it the way you're describing, and that and they wouldn't think of doing it any other way. Yeah, I could see that. Let there be change, and let it start with me. <laughs> but that's not. Now that's not today. If if I'm if if there's someone who I want to this is and the law reviews are guilty of the same issue, right? Which let's is, not even talk about the law reviews. <laughs> that's another this, show. This idea that's that, another show. This idea that you say so so of course you're going to send it to me in Word. I'm asking you to send it to me in Word because that's what people know how to use. That's what it's going to get sent to. So it's there's just a such a big installed base. We're going to look back on that as the bad old days. Maybe because our default format. But you agree with me, right? Our default format for share. I think it's changing a little bit, but our default format for sharing textual information is a format which combines in in almost inextricably. Again, you can use styles. It will, but no one knows how to do it, and it and and it's easily (laughs) messed up. It's very fragile. That combines presentation information and and content information. That's bad. It's a terrible, terrible system. We'll look back on this as the dark ages, where people have to fight with... I mean, how many stories out there? I want to hear from our listeners. How, oh, many, how many listeners out there have to fight with Word at some point during the production of anything of any substance? I, I, and the only reason the answer isn't 100% of people right. is because there's a percentage of people who have forgotten the fact that they actually fight so frequently, it doesn't feel like a fight anymore. Right, just right, so exactly, they're answering. Yeah. Oh, I don't fight with my document, not because they don't, but because they don't view it as fighting. They've gotten so yeah, narcotized I, by this <laughs> process. I think there are also people who take pride in kind of the word wrangling abilities. Oh, this. Oh, another, I know how to do. All, I know all these. I know all these secret tips and tricks. Yeah, they don't deny that they're battling, though. This is uh, well, so, but they kind of do because they just feel like they're kind of word whizzes. Mm. But these are people who like, like you know. You know how car guys always had. You know, these are the people who like worked on cars and like you know. They always had the cars that didn't work. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like the MGs or the whatever. Right, they could get them to work. Be, yeah, they were always fixing stuff, but they were always breaking down too. Right, right. Uh, but they they knew a lot. I think it's kind of like that. Okay, and it's and, sure. and, and it's there's a, some there's population like that. Right, and it's kind of fading away. Like yes, you have all these skills, but boy, I wish they weren't relevant. Yeah, I right? mean, it is interesting to think sort of historically and sociologically. Like, how did we? It would be interesting, maybe, maybe not, but it might be interesting to talk to some folks who who worked on word processor design and feature design like 20 years ago and ask them what their thinking was about why they thought it was a good idea to bolt 
rendering so tightly to just getting semantic content tapped into a file. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly was a whiz bang feature, and and in in a way, it was a real advance when you could. Because there are certain applications where you want to typeset at the same time, right? That you are, um, uh, where, where you want to design at the same time that you're writing. So if I'm going to make a, uh, like a poster or a, um, a flyer for something, right? The fact that I can drag in a picture, change my typeface and see what it looks like before I hit, you know, open Apple P, right? Uh, uh, and, or file print or something like that. That's a huge advance over, you know, the Broder Run print shop it's okay dars it's all right dars yeah it's okay that's an advance over what over over the print shop you remember broder runs print shop no but yeah it was um it was a pretty cool thing i don't know joe what else we got i I feel like we didn't do a good job with this i disagree i mean i think it's this is a very comp this is a very complicated ball of knotted twine and we're just trying to pull apart bits of it. Yeah, um, this is really diff- this is really complicated. Because we, we haven't talked. Uh, we talked about maybe talking about this before the show. We did. And there's all kinds of things that you know. There's the typography for lawyers stuff, right? right. Stuff about <clears throat> you know what what typefaces to use, what kinds of you know whether lawyers should be thinking about this more than they are. Um, yeah, and that's as, and part as, of as me a, is rebel. Like part of my reaction to some of what you said comes from a place where I think people don't think enough about presentation and the influence on persuasion. Right. And, and you're not at all saying don't ever get around to thinking about rendering. No, I'm, I'm you're not saying that at I'm, all. I'm saying you can think better about that if, if you, you don't think about it at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, but there's a piece of me that is like the, if you, when you sort of dog, if one were to dogmatically insist, you know, the, that getting the text file step always has to be divorced utterly from the design step. Well, you'll, you'll forget to get around to thinking about design. I'm just saying you know, as someone who's done it, as someone who is like written, like I do all my notes for my classes. I do them all in Markdown in, in editorial or in Byword. And I'll look at the rendered version on my iPad when I teach. And, yeah. and it is very pleasant. It is so freeing not to fire up Word on some machine and, you know, select all and hit some kind of typeface. And, you know, the kind of thing that people typically do when you try to wrangle a Word document into the kind of thing you want to look at, right? Whereas these these apps are made uh, so that when you hit preview, it shows you probably how you want to look at it on your iPad, right? And you can change it so if you want the typeface bigger or something like that. But you don't. The point is, as I'm writing it, all I'm thinking about is the content, um, and and I guess a little bit of structural stuff. Like, do I want to emphasize this? Do I want there to be a heading here? But I don't have to think about what that heading looks like. I just think this is a heading. This is a new thing, and it. I can tell you, it is so great, right? It is so much better than than. Uh, um, like I said, wrangling a Word document into something reasonable. Now, but we haven't talked about design and, and you know that other step of it, which we'd also talked about a little bit. Let me just ask you about one thing, though, in that. After a period, two spaces or one? <laughs> um, one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, although I am curious to know the context that you're asking. In what context? I mean, the answer doesn't. It, it the answer to this question is not actually context dependent. And at the end of a sentence. <laughs> yeah, there was a right. Yeah, one. I mean, one. You should never put more than one space after a period. Didn't you grow up learning two, though? We all did. Yeah. And, we, and that was in a time when um, there was not right-left justified text creation on the fly. We were using manual or electric typewriters. And that convention, in my understanding, to, is that yeah. convention dates from a time when people are using uh, typewriters. And monospaced fonts. And monospaced fonts. I think it's monospacing that really does it. So the monospacing means that... But Butterick's uh, Practical Typography, which is a website everyone should look at if they haven't looked at it yet, yeah. he does explain this as along with a jillion other issues that are really fun. Yeah, my understanding is, is that it comes from... Uh, so it could be wrong. It could be totally wrong. But you can see where we'll the problem is. We'll put this in the show notes. We will put a yeah. link to something that explains well, A, why it should always be one space, and B, why there was a time when it was not. When okay. people were taught two spaces. Okay. Even though the only right thing to do nowadays is one space. And if there was ever a good reason to do two, right. it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and maybe one of those reasons is, I think we should just, because not everybody's going to go to the show notes, but we will put it in there. Um, I don't know if this is right, but why should that stop me, Joe? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Um, if, if, if all, so monospacing means that every character takes up the same amount of, uh, of, um, horizontal space. Yeah, right? width, think of width, think of a yeah. type. Yeah, t- think of a, a of a typewriter where each um, what do they call the things? What do they call the the the, the metal that strikes the page? You know, oh, that has know. the character on it. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so think of one where, where each of those little pieces of metal is the same width, so that the typewriter at each strike advances the same amount. Yeah. Right. I I think there were there were. Um, uh, um, some which were not monospaced, but you know that was pretty common, especially dot matrix days and and uh, with computers and um, so with monospacing, um, if you only put one space, maybe it doesn't look as good. Yeah, that's why I'm not. I'm, you don't think that's right, huh? I'm not sure. I don't. My memory is so fuzzy on this, especially having heard your story. Now it's thinking maybe that is right. I don't know, but we'll get to the bottom of it and we'll put it in the show notes. Do you know some students turn in papers, and I don't know if the law reviews or law journals make them do this when they do their drafts, um, but this has been a... Um, it's like courier, triple space. Courier, triple space. First it's, of all, double spacing should die. Agreed. There's no reason for it anymore. Agreed. It just makes it... the. It, it it's gets, nuts. It's nuts. It doesn't look good. It's beyond nuts. And it makes you turn too many pages too quickly. Right. Triple spacing. It's cr- so completely crazy. And, and the using courier... It's just a dis- the whole thing is a disaster, right? Visually a disaster, right? And this is this is another thing that I think of when I think you know separating content from presentation. Not if it makes you such a moron about presentation, you do stuff like this, okay? <laughs> right? I mean, it, uh, people could do no, with pe- people should not be skimping on their thinking intelligently about presentation. Yeah, but my, yeah, right. But uh, so if I use ByWord or one of these other programs where you only think about when you're typing. You only think about content, and then you just hit preview. It will look pretty good. Same thing with LaTeX, right? If I'm type, if I'm you know setting things in LaTeX and I'm 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 just typing a plain text file. The point is that someone else thinks about it, and I don't. I have fewer choices in order to make it look different. I have to kind of know a little bit more, right? I've got to go in and change some settings. Uh, so hopefully, I don't do that unless I'm uh, <laughs> you know unless I actually know what I'm doing. Right. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? 
about what about this about this topic i think it's a i think it's interesting look this is are you convinced are you gonna give up word do you have word installed on your machine of course what do you mean of course how could i not well maybe you just have pages maybe you have pages yeah when you you can't be working with people who have pcs and work with pages what oh but it opens word files and it exports word files yeah. Saves his word. I wouldn't open try word. that with not with it. I wouldn't. I've never tried it, and I wouldn't try it with a complicated. Precisely because I believe what you believe, which is that word is a ba- is an endless battle. Um, but that's true, even of different versions of word. Fair enough, but it could only be made worse by having me using Pages and having a colleague on a PC using Word, and us trying to go back and forth. That I just can't even begin to think of the chaos that would create. Hmm. So, no, I don't use Pages. I don't have Word installed on the desktop machine. I have it installed on my laptop. But I also, on the laptop, have Word files set by default to open in Pages. And I only use Word for that last stage when I'm sending it to an editor and I want to be sure that I know, or to check how it looks. Like, I'm writing it in yeah. Word, and I just want to check and be sure that it looks a, a particular way. Cool. Um, hmm. Interesting. But it's expensive still. It is. I feel like we're done. Cool. See you later. Are we done? Yep. Anything else you want to say? Nope. Not today. Do you ever go on any road trips for spring break? I have before. Where'd you go? Uh, many places. Whoa. We're talking about a lot of lot of road tripping. Is that right? Are you a big spring breaker? I've I've gone on trips during spring break. Yeah, where'd you go? Give me give me two examples. Just give me two examples. That's all I'm asking. Where'd you go? Daytona? I did that in high school. You did really? Yeah. We drove down a bunch of us drove down to Florida. Oh. To fun. Daytona? Hmm? It, to Daytona itself? I think that was one of the places we went. Don't is even remember. Florida? It is in Florida. It is in Florida. Daytona five hundred. Like I think we I think we went to Miami. Did we go to Miami? Do you remember this at all? Where did we go? Do you remember what happened at all? (laughs) Were you on MTV? It's a fair amount of drinking. Were you on MTV? (laughs) No. They didn't have MTV then, did they? Oh, I think we did. Sure. I'm not that old. Yeah, but that was still back in the astronaut day, probably. (laughs) Oh, we drank lots of Tang. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, with that little astronaut with the dun 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 dun. Oh, with the MTV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Nina Blackwood. Yeah, there we go. Adam Curry, right? Adam Curry. Yeah, those are the days. Downtown so, Julie Brown. So, so you so you drove down south to Florida. Yeah. Anything? I, any other big road trips? No, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Why not? Because I don't want to. It's not interesting. Oh, I I did a bunch. Cool. Where'd you go? Uh, Grand Canyon. Really? Several times. Really? Yeah, we got spring. We on Friday. Everybody would load into the van. We'd rotate off drivers. 36 hours later, we'd be at the Grand Canyon. We'd hike, we'd go backpacking for a week. We'd get back in the van. We'd go back to back to South Carolina. Neat. Utah once, twice. Most fun. One of the most fun road trips I ever did was St. John's has two campuses. One is in Santa Fe mm-hmm. and one is in Annapolis. Mm-hmm. And we had an inter-campus Nerf football game uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. Whoa. And the way we did that neutral was, ground huh neutral ground yeah so the way we did that was we two groups of folk departed one from annapolis one from santa fe new mexico and met yeah. in memphis 
yeah. to play Nerf football in a park, a public park. And then we went to Graceland. My memory of, of, of driving into Memphis, um, having come from the east, driving out west, is when you got to Memphis, you're like, yeah, this is, this is a different part of the country. Because mm. it is like flat. I think there's a hotel there called like the Mid-Continental, which you see from I-40. Um, okay. But I, that's always well into the road trip. Like your deep road trip by the time you get to Memphis. Mm. And, and it feels uh, Midwestern, right? It feels... Uh, um, I don't know that I've ever been back to Memphis. I think that was the one and only time I've been there. We rolled in there one time, well, several times we did this. We rolled in there one time at like, maybe it was like 3.30 or 4 in the morning coming back east and um, at a gas station. And there was a, a clerk there who had on a big button which said, ask me about big red diesel. Hmm. Um, did you? Well, it didn't, although the button said that, her countenance didn't, it didn't appear like she really wanted to be asked about the big red seemed diesel. Seemed insincere. It seemed, the button it, seemed insincere. It seemed a little bit insincere. Yeah. And and so my buddy got some coffee and, and I asked my buddy, should we ask her about the big red diesel? And he was like, I, I don't think that would be a good idea. And <laughs> but he got some said, coffee. And you said, but it says so right on the button. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're lying to us if they don't want us to ask about this. Um, So we, so we get the coffee, we get back into the car. I don't have, I don't drink coffee at that point. Mm. Remember, listeners to the show remember I didn't start drinking coffee until I was thirty-five. Yeah, um, and seems, but my buddy did. Seems unlikely. My but. buddy did, and you know, sun's coming up uh, somewhere. It must have been more like five, but we've been driving all night, and he's drinking the coffee, and we're, I'm driving along. All of a sudden, I look over. The dude's got the window down, Joe, and he's pouring the coffee all over the road outside. Whoa. Not not the cop. He doesn't litter. We don't litter. No, no. He was just pouring out. He's the liquid. pouring out the liquid onto the road. I'm like, what? Well, you know, what are you doing? And he looks at me because I think I got some of that big red diesel. 